we all have dreams. And whether large or small, dreams take steps to achieve. And sometimes we think it takes a complex formula to get where we want to be. But in actuality, small steps over time create big results. This is The Tipping Point. Good morning. Hey, I am glad to be here with you this morning. My name's Austin. I'm one of the teaching pastors here at LifePoint. And this morning, we're going to continue on in a teaching series that's called The Tipping Point. And it's the small steps we take in our spiritual lives. It's the small things we do as we pursue relationship with God that make monumental change. And what we're looking at are individual practices that we can place into the rhythms of our lives that draw us closer to God at times than we ever truly expected. And I'm so excited to talk about where we're headed this morning because for me, this is something that has come more alive in the last several years than at any other time in my life. And so I think God's about to do some really cool things through the step we're going to talk about this morning. And so as we begin, I just invite you to pray with me. I want to pray for you as we jump in. God, I pray today that we would leave here closer with you then we came in. And Lord, as we look at the steps that we can take to, to grow closer with you, God, I pray that you give us boldness. God, I pray today you would give us curiosity about what could be, how much better we could know you, how much closer we could grow in a relationship with you. No matter where we find ourselves on that journey, Lord, that you would be faithful in drawing us closer and closer again. Amen. Well, um, the, the first four years I spent in ministry were in Kentucky, and, and I served in Kentucky as a youth pastor. When those four years ended, my wife Ashley and I moved to serve on staff with my dad at a church on the coast of Florida. Not a bad place to do ministry if you got to go somewhere. And so we go down there, and I was a youth pastor at the time, and we were brand new in town. And I decided it'd probably be a good idea to get, or get to know some of the youth leaders that we would be working with. So over a period of about a month and a half, every youth leader volunteer that served in our youth ministry, we took them out to dinner and just kind of figured out more about their lives. And, and so we went out with this one couple that um, we'll leave their names out to protect the innocent or the guilty, no matter how you want to look at that. And, and we go out to this couple and things sounded like they were going to go really well. I mean, we sit down for dinner at this restaurant and, and, and it really got off to a great start. We were about the same age and we didn't have any kids and they didn't have any kids. And they were interested in some stuff that we were interested in. And the longer the conversation went on, the more I thought, you know what? Maybe these won't just be people that we work with on a volunteer base. Maybe these could be like really, really, really good friends. And I held on to that belief for about five more minutes. And so as dinner went on, you know, things, things really seemed pretty solid. They seemed normal, but then things took a turn for the worse uh, when the server came and he set our plates down in front of all of us. So, you know, each of the four of us got our plate and that's when stuff started, to be honest, getting a little weird. At this point, a new voice came out from the guy at the other side of the table. He, he grabbed a hold of his plate. And he looked over at his wife with this weird look in his eye and he goes, babe. And then he slid the plate in front of her. 
Now, husbands, wives here in the room, you got that like internal communication thing that goes on where no words are spoken. We had that going on at that moment. We're going, what? <laughs> and, and her mind language went, ah, I don't know what's happening right now. And then she grabbed her silverware and unrolled it and took the napkin and put it on her lap and grabbed the fork and the knife. And the, the conversation Ashley and I were having continued. She's not about to... And she went, I can't believe this is about to happen. You know, no words spoken. Is this going to be? Yeah, I think it is. And then she took both of those and started cutting up his food for him into small little bite-sized pieces one after another. Five minutes, we're watching this woman go to work on the plate until every single item on that plate was cut up into a size for like a five-year-old. The language continued. I look at Ashley and my mind said, did that just happen? She looked back at me and I knew she was thinking, yeah, that absolutely just happened. How long are we going to stay here? We got to get out of here as fast as possible. <laughs> I couldn't tell you a single thing we talked about from that moment forward. I don't know whether we talked. I don't know whether it was happy conversation. I don't know if Ashley and I just went and stared at them with our mouths open. All I know is the dinner ended, and the next thing I remember, we were getting in the car, and I know I should be better than this. I mean, I, I'm a pastor. I should know better. I've prayed for forgiveness since, but the first thing I looked over at Ashley and said was, did that just really happen? Yes, that just really happened. And in that evening, we had both the first and the last dinner we ever had with that couple what was so odd about it was he had nothing that would limit him from being able to cut up his own food. There was no reason he shouldn't be able to do that for himself. And friends, there are just some things in your life and in my life that we ought to know how to do on our own. I will give you some examples. Here's a little cue for you. If you ever go out to dinner or go out to lunch with me, here's something you need to know. One of the things that you ought to know how to do on your own is this, dessert. I don't mean you can't go out to dessert with other people. I mean, when you go out to dessert with me, I did not come to share. <laughs> so here's how you know. If you want to know very clearly whether or not I want to share my dessert with you, here's how you know. If I want to share, I'll give a very clear verbal cue to the server. I will say, we'll take two desserts. And then you will have your dessert and I will have my dessert and there will be no confusion in between. Uh, here's another one, ladies, you may find offense with this. Guys, you will echo this question we've been asking for generations of men. Women, why do you insist on going to the bathroom in herds? It has baffled the, the male kind for years and years and generations and generations. And quite frankly, as the parent of a toddler, I know that some poor person spent countless hours and laundry visits and time and money and probably rubber sheets teaching you how to do that very thing all by yourself. So why go back and regress? Uh, here's another one, dudes. You ever had some other guy open the car door for you? Little weird. I did that for a friend of mine one time, totally on accident, wasn't thinking, and he just stood there. And he goes, you shut that door right now, get back on your side, I'll take care of this myself. <laughs> here's the last one. It requires no explanation, but let me just say sunscreen enough said, do it on your own. <laughs> See, there are just some things in your life and in my life. Maybe you need help occasionally. Maybe it's not something you do only uh, alone or only by yourself, but there are certain things in our lives that we ought to at least possess the knowledge base, the ability and the capacity to do on 
our own. Anybody watch Food Network, big Food Network fans here? I love to watch Alton Brown and Good Eats. Alton Brown is great. He, I love what he does. He always takes these big recipes that seem like over the top or things that are hard to tackle. And, and then he goes and explains how to cook what everyone else is cooking. And he doesn't do it just, you know, whizzing through some of these things like some of the other hosts. He actually goes through and explains the scientific basis for what's going on, what chemical reactions are there, what happens when the heat comes in, what happens if you don't get it hot enough or, or, or you get it too cold or whatever? And when his show started to take off and gain widespread popularity, Alton Brown had this quote that he issued to everybody else. I think it's a really good warning. This is what he said. Do not allow watching food to replace making food. Do not allow watching food to replace making food. He, he goes back to his viewership and he simply says this, the point of this show is so that you would have the tools necessary to go cook what I cook. So don't just watch and be enamored with what I do on my own. Go do something with it. What good is it to watch a TV program if you can't taste it? And as followers of Jesus, I think sometimes... Sometimes we need the very same reminder when it comes to our spiritual lives. Been in the church, grew up in the church my whole life, and here's one of the tendencies I find in myself, and I've seen a lot of times in others, is that we come together, much like a cooking show, on a Sunday, or maybe you hang out at one of our other campuses, or maybe you spend time with us on our you know, Thursday night worship service, and we listen to someone read from the Bible to us, and explain what it means to us. And other people get on stage and play instruments probably far better than we can and sing at us while we sing back. And it, it's an environment that's not replicated the other six days of the week. And it's very easy to come and gather and not leave re reminded that God has deep interest in our lives the other six days of the week. That we could... And we have the tools at our disposal to be able to open up the Bible tomorrow, today when we go home, without the presence of a pastor or some professional clergyman there, and to read it, understand it, and to hear God speak through it. And as a church, not LifePoint Church, but the church in America, one of the things I think we've got to get better at is helping equip people to be able to read God's word well and to do so with confidence. I mean, nothing is weirder than just opening up and not knowing where to begin, to do something without a plan. And so this morning, what we wanna do is a little different than how we normally run a Sunday. We wanna help equip each and every one of us here today to be able to go home with confidence, pick up a Bible, and to grow, to take a step, as we've talked about, forward in our relationship with God, to begin to put into our lives a practice that allows us to take a step every day to hear God's voice, to know God's character, to get who he is. And, and so, you know, maybe you're here and you're going, it's my first time, dude, too much. You know, leave me alone. Why, why is this not good enough? And I just want to give you a couple of reasons why learning to do this practice is so vital. There's probably lots of others, but there's just the two I'm going to look at. The first one is this, it helps us hear from God. 
one of the early church pastors had an apprentice coming up under him named Timothy. And Paul, the early church pastor, writes to his apprentice and gives him this instruction about the Bible. He says, all scripture is inspired by God. And it's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. He looks at this young, aspiring leader and he says, look, scripture, the Bible, God's word is not just some lofty thing that smart people talk about. It's not some you know, far out there thing that has nothing to do with normal everyday stuff that the Bible speaks to every facet of our life, our marriage, our money, our relationships, our friendships, our future, our past, our regrets, and our hopes and our aspirations. There is nothing we will ever face in life that God has not spoken to. And get this, it goes a step further. The Bible is not just an ancient instruction manual that we pick up and try and make fit into our lives, that as we read the Bible, here's what we believe, that God speaks actively, that his Holy Spirit takes what we're reading and he speaks to us directly. It's not something from long ago. It's something God actively uses here and now today. So when we read the Bible, it helps us hear from God. The second thing is this, and it's important. Read the Bible so we're not misled. This is uh, what's found in the book of Acts. Paul was going to city to city to city and starting churches. And he goes to one city and has a really hard time. People didn't really buy into what he was saying. Then he goes to a city called Thessalonica and has a totally, or goes to a city called Berea and has a totally different conversation. Check out what's happening. And the people of Berea, in retrospect, were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica. So they were open to his advice and they listened eagerly to Paul's message and they searched the scriptures day after day to see if what Paul and Silas were teaching was true. Now get this, they're going bringing the best news that anyone they talked to had ever heard and they come to a city where they go, hey, that's cool, but we're gonna go check the facts first and Paul and Silas weren't offended. Get this, you should check the facts in life. You should check the facts that I give you because you know what? I'm not perfect. I get it wrong every once in a while. You should check the facts that the talk show host is giving you or that your best friend may be trying to give you the best advice they can and it may be dead wrong. And if scripture is applicable to every single area of our life, it should be the primary directing and guiding force we have. And yes, other advice may reinforce where it sends us, but we should never follow advice that goes against where scripture and God's word would send us. So we better check the facts along the way. Richard Foster really kind of sums up why we read scripture pretty well. Um, and, And he says this in one of his books, we read the Bible in earnest, not from a sense of religious duty, not to just check the list and feel spiritual and go on about our day, but because we long to return again and again to the primal source of understanding what life with God is like. And as we look back and read through the story of God and as God's Holy Spirit speaks to us today in those moments, We restart a journey that we've been on our whole lives, walking side by side, hand in hand with our heavenly father, the creator of the universe. 
So for the next few moments, I want to look at just a method. It's not the only method, but a way that for me has been very powerful for reading through the Bible. My hope for you is this, that you leave with more confidence in doing so on your own than you came in with. And so we've got ushers that are going to come down the aisle, and we want to read through a passage together. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand. You can borrow it. You can keep it. We don't care. We hope you bring it home with you. Um, but we'll read through some stuff here in a minute together. The method we're going to look at is called the SOAP method. And uh, SOAP simply stands for this. It stands for scripture, observation, application, and prayer. It's steps we take as we read through the Bible that can help us more ably discern what God may be saying to us. And so I just want to look at each of these areas, give you a way to read the Bible this week. Uh, When we get to the scripture part, I always start, I get a journal out or a legal pad or a napkin, whatever it is that you'd want to write on, and I write this stuff down. So let's say I'm reading through Matthew 1. First thing I do is I write down scripture, I underline it, and then I write Matthew 1. I do that so that when something stands out and it applies to what I'm doing later in the week, I can go back to that day. And I go, oh, I read that in Matthew 1. Doesn't take very long. Um, Maybe today you're going, well, where do I start? I don't, should I start in Matthew 1? Where do I begin reading? Do I just flip open a point? You know, how do we do this? And and so I, I give you two ways. You can start maybe by reading through the Gospel of John. It's about three quarters of the way into the Bible. It's the story of Jesus' time on earth written for normal people without a whole lot of background knowledge required. When you finish John, you can go right into the book of Acts. It's the story of the early church and how it got started. Great places to begin. Maybe you want a little more instruction than that. You can log on to Bible.com and you can click on reading plans and they've got all kinds of reading plans that'll tell you here, read this today, read this tomorrow, read this the next day, but start somewhere. So when you're going through the scripture section, you write down first the scripture that you're going to read. And then as you read, if anything stands out, if there's a verse that you're like, man, I love what that says. Here's what I do personally, just so it helps me remember what I read. I write out that verse. Now, I don't like to write a whole lot. And so I write out that one verse. Maybe there's two verses, but I'm not going to get overly ambitious and record the whole thing. But that's what you do in the scripture section. When you get done with that section... I typically move from there into the observation section. Now that I've read God's word, I want to see what stands out to me. And so there's a few things I typically highlight. First, I write down the things I noticed as important or that stand out to me. Maybe there's a word that repeats itself over and over and over again. You're looking, you're like, man, he used that word a bunch. I think he's trying to get something across. And so I may say, I saw this word a bunch. What are you saying, God? Um, maybe you write down phrases that are repeated or specific commands that you see or encouragement that you see there that, that really draw your eye. You just write it down as an observation. Maybe you write down the things that grab your heart. Is there something that you read that's challenging? God told me to forgive, and so I need to work on that. Or maybe it's something that applies directly to uh, an instance in your life, something that you're facing that day. You're discouraged, and it's a God's word of encouragement for you. Maybe it's something that you can't explain. You don't know what it means or how it applies to your life, but when you read that verse, your heart beats a little bit faster. I want to tell you, in those moments, you need to zero in a little bit because uh, what I've experienced, those are the moments that God's spirit begins to point out things that sometimes I see a day later, 
Sometimes I see a week later. Sometimes I see years down the road, but there are things he's trying to teach me now, so I'm prepared later. Either way, I write down that observation. Third thing is this. Maybe you just need to write some graffiti on your Bible. Get this. It is not a sacred piece of you know, literature that can't get dust on it. You can't get it dirty. My suggestion is get your highlighter out and highlight what stands out to you. Circle things. Underline them. If you're a note nerd, write down all the notes that your little nerdy heart desires. If you run out of space, that's fine. Put it on a shelf. Go buy another Bible. We're in a culture where we can do that. But take notes because in doing this, we begin to see the fingerprints of God on his word. And an observation isn't good enough unless we move to the next section, which is this, application. This is where things get personal. Because it's no good to just observe things without doing something about it. If we read God's word and he speaks to us, we should act in response. So here's some different ways that may happen. Maybe you read through a scripture on you know, trusting God. That seems to be the emphasis. And so I, I've read the scripture and I've wrote down this observation that God is seemingly telling me I should trust him and now I commit. God, I'm going to trust you by. You make it specific and you make it measurable, something that you can implement into your life that day. Maybe it's, you know, God, I need to trust you with my finances by stopping worrying so much. Or I need to trust you with, you know, my family by not controlling everything that happens with my kids you know, today I'm going to do that. Whatever it is, make it specific, make it something you can begin doing and make it immediate. See, both of this observation and application sections are so vital because it's through them that God speaks not just a message from long ago, but, but we begin to see what he's saying to us today what he's saying for now, what he's directing us to in the immediate future. It's in these sections that we not only read the past, but we now take God's word into our present. Here's what I want you to hear. God will speak. So I had a professor in college that said, it's not that God speaks sometimes and we better be ready to listen. It's that God's always speaking to us just have to work a little harder to hear sometimes. So here's the phrase that stood out to me again and again. If we set out to read the Bible or the Word of God, if we set out to read the Word of God without expecting to hear the voice of God, we're wasting our time. So maybe you're here today and you just came in, you're hopeless. You're, you're desperate. You came here looking for something. You gotta hear something from God. It's the only reason you came. And I'm here to tell you that God wants you to hear from him today and Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. And I wanna challenge you to take up this method and to take one of these Bibles home with you and read, not just hoping that there'd be some nugget of truth from long ago, but that God would speak to your individual life right here, right now. Maybe you're a believer who's read the Bible before and God's voice has gone quiet. And my prayer for you today is this, that you would boldly take a challenge to start all over again, start somewhere, start anywhere. And I believe God will speak. I'll be bold enough to, to raise the challenge up on him now because I think he can come through for it. If you read the Bible for the next seven days with the expectation that God will speak, I believe wholeheartedly that he will do so.
Scripture tells us that he's not far from any one of us. Here's the last section. After we've studied God's scripture, after we've made our observations and and then gone and applied them to our lives, we then go to God in prayer. Interesting thing about God, when he begins to challenge me, I've noticed that often the things he challenges me about are things that are impossible without him. There have been times where through reading scripture, he's challenged me to forgive people that I'm just furious with. Were it not for the grace of God, the intervention of the Holy Spirit, if it wasn't for him accomplishing in me what I couldn't do on my own, I would have never been able to do it, but I have. Sometimes he he speaks to us and calls us to accomplish things that we can't accomplish or to run after goals that seem impossible or or to do things that, that on our own we don't have the capacity to do. This cool thing about God is he doesn't leave us alone in the middle of those things. And so in the prayer section, we go to God and we simply say, Lord, I need you. This is going to happen. It's going to require my effort and your provision. So really quickly, here's what I want to do, and we'll close our time together. I want to go through a verse in Scripture, and we're going to practice this together so that everyone leaves with the capacity to do this when we're done. So uh, on the screen, you'll see uh, a verse. You can open your Bible and follow us. We're going to read through Matthew 7, 24 through 27. This is what it says. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. Though the rains come in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears this teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. So the next slide here just shows you what my journal looks like if I'm gonna do um, this verse through the SOAP method. First, I'd write down scripture, just as a reminder of what I'm doing. I'm kind of weird like this. I like to box all the letters from SOAP. That's just my own little neuroses there for you. And so I circle S, I write scripture, and then I record what verse I just read, Matthew 7, 24 through 27. And then under it, any verse that stands out to me, I then write down. Uh, I was looking at my journal. This is one that's in there. And so I just took some stuff from a long time ago. And I, here it is for you to see. I wrote down Matthew 7, 24 and, and read out what it is. Anyone who listens to my teachings and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. You're done with the scripture section at that point. Easy enough? Then we move on to the observation section where I write down the things that stood out. First thing I wrote down was this. Anyone means anyone. God says that if anyone puts these things into practice in their life, their life gets stronger. So that means me, means my family, means my friends, believers. And this is the one that really grabbed me. Even people who don't believe in Jesus. If you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus and you want to see if he is who he says he is, do what he asks you to do and see what happens. The promise of scripture is that it will build strength into your life that you did not previously have. So the next two things, I kind of saw the difference between a wise person and a foolish person. Wise person listens and then acts. This brings strength to my life when I do that. That's what I wrote down. So I ought to be about the business of hearing from God and doing it. If I want to be foolish, here's how you do that. Step one, listen. Step two, forget. This produces weakness in my life. The third thing was this. Rain stood out to me when I read it at that point in time. The hard times or rain will come. I should be ready by listening and doing what Jesus says. 
Those are the things I observed, and I just simply write them down. Then I move from that into the application section. I write down application, and then I find at least one, two, maybe three things that I'm going to put into practice in my life. First thing is this, stop thinking about trusting Jesus. When I become anxious, do what he says and choose to trust him. I I wrote this during a period in life where we were closing a ministry that we had worked to start. And I was incredibly anxious. I didn't know what the future looked like. I didn't know what that meant for who I was or my value in God's kingdom. I had all kinds of anxiety. And so God was pressing on me through this to take a step in the direction of him and to begin releasing that anxiety and trusting him. The second one is this, ask Jesus for peace rather than living in worry. I liked worry. Worry is like manipulatable. You can mess with worry. You can kind of build yourself up in worry. And Jesus was telling me, stop it. Do what you know I've asked you to do. So I wrote that down. The third challenge is this. Since life has changed so much, begin asking Jesus for his peace before I get angry or worried instead of after. This was a practice for me. And so I chose in the morning before anything could go wrong in my day to take a step in obeying him to hear his call for peace in my life and to do something about it. And I chose to act. That's the application section. And knowing that I stunk at all three of those things, I moved on to the prayer section. Here's uh, an excerpt. Father, you know how often I look for your help after I've done what I'm not supposed to. I wait until the rain comes and then I turn to you. I'm asking for your help first. Be my peace when frustrating times come. Remind me to rely on you like I've committed to do. Remind me not to fight for control but to trust you. And as easy as that, I read God's word. And guess what? Just like we've talked about when I read God's word, he spoke to my life and I observed some of the things he was saying. And then I committed not just to hear it and go, oh, cool, I feel nice about that. I promise I'm gonna do it. I applied it. And then knowing that I couldn't pull it off on my own, I went to God in prayer and I asked him, God, I need your help to pull this off. Scripture, observation, application, and prayer. Any of these tools are tools that you can pick up tomorrow morning and put them in place in your life. And I want to challenge you to do so. I want to give you a seven-day dare that over the next seven days, you would cut out 30 minutes each day. Maybe it's in the morning, maybe it's in the evening, maybe it's during your lunch break. I don't know. I don't care. But that you would carve out 30 minutes in each day to read through the Bible and go through the SOAP method. And here's my promise, that I believe God will come through and speak to you. If you're here looking and searching and you're desperate for God's voice, he's going to come through. If you're just faithful and you want to grow closer, God's going to come through. I believe he desires and is ready and willing to speak to each and every one of us today. And I can't imagine the life change that will take place. I can't imagine the change in your homes or your workplaces or the city that can take place when 1,600 men and women across three campuses at LifePoint Church in Wake County begin to hear the voice of God and observe what he's saying, and apply it to their lives, and move boldly through faith that he will come through. God will speak if you'll spend the time to listen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you don't leave us without a witness. You don't leave us without your voice. God, you desire to speak, and you do speak. And so I pray for my friends here this morning. 
I pray, God, that you would make your voice heard. God, that, that as we reach for you, you will come close, and there wouldn't be one of us that goes through this exercise that you don't speak to clearly. God, help us to listen. God, where it takes discipline to cut out the time in our schedules, put that on us as something we must do. Build urgency in our hearts and urgency in our lives. And God, I pray that you would do impossible things through the things that you point out. Amen.